look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. You're on News Talk 770 and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal. Um, we get lots of questions, Faisal, about what's happening in, with interest rates, right? What impact is that going to have on the economy, on bonds, all of these things? And we've got a terrific guest uh, that we're very happy to have back with us today. Dan Janis is a senior portfolio manager, Manulife Asset Management. He runs the global, uh, global multi-sector bond strategy. He's also co-lead and portfolio manager of the Manulife Strategic Income Fund. Dan, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks for taking some time with us. Uh, thank you, guys. So, um, yeah, we've got lots to talk about. Can we, um, can we maybe just talk about a bond guy's perspective of the, of the economy? Just give us a big-picture view of how you see the world right now. Okay. Uh, world is, I think, from a, from a bond perspective, a lot of the credit markets are fairly priced, some a little expensive, probably high yield, probably a little bit more, uh, leaning to a little bit less fairly priced. But I think the economy is growing, and I look at three areas, the U.S., I look at Europe, and I look at uh, you know, Asia, which is predominantly uh, China. And I think each of those regions, we can say, are operating, we think, uh, comfortably uh, at, at a rate that I think is uh, conducive uh, for economic growth globally. So I, I think um, the glass is half full uh, in this environment right now. But wait a second, Dan, because you're president. I mean, you're down in Boston, and we've got President Trump tweeting stuff out, and there's lots of confusion, uh, even with the Trump effect. You're comfortable. We've got we've got the global economy moving forward, not backwards. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's, you know, with this new tweeting policy, which we've never seen before <laughs> in financial markets, it's going to create daily volatility. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's systemic volatility. And we do think over time uh, there's a probably a 30% chance, maybe a less of impeachment, we would put a lower probability. But I think if he gets past that, there is a 60 to 70% chance that something gets done uh, later, uh, probably late September, early October. So I would f- feel that that would be more positive. So I'm not as uh, negative as the naysayers say. Dan, when I was with you in Boston, we sat down and a couple of things that you and I have shared on information in the past has been on some of the things that you worry about when you look in the world. Today, when you look at things that are going well, there's got to be pockets that, that concern you, that, that put you at ease, not only from a bond manager's perspective, but overall from an economic uh, perspective, which will also influence the stock market. What are your What are your concerns that you have today? Sure. I think when we look at a product like this, you know, we have four risks that we, we look at, interest rate risk, credit risk. Uh, foreign exchange risk, and then liquidity risk. I think the two bigger risks right now are probably the interest rate risk of rates potentially going higher and disrupting markets. And then second, and, and Tommy uh, Goggins and myself and Kisu Park on my team, we've been worried about this probably for the past seven years is liquidity, especially more in fixed income than in equity markets. Uh, we find that uh, the ability of market makers to make prices because of all the restrictions with Basel III, Volcker Rule, uh, and less proprietary debts has limited some of the liquidity and bond issuance. So that is a big risk that we think going forward. So transparency of what you own, I think, is more important, and relationships with the street are very important. You know, being a bond manager with the size that we have of, of almost $37 billion of U.S. 
dollars. Yeah, so let's let's just jump on the per- perspective of liquidity and the risk and transparency more importantly because you and I had a good conversation about this. There are other funds, there are other bond managers that use synthetic product versus the actual bonds that you purchase. So tell us a bit about what your concerns are when not all bond funds and all bond managers act in the same way. So so what is the concern about buying a synthetic product versus a an actual physical bond? Well, I think it's, and, and again, I'm, we're not going to knock our competition, but we are competitive. But just, I think for transparency's sake, it's easy to understand if your top 10 holdings are defined as, you know, the, you know, the government of New Zealand or government of Philippines or, you know, with a name on them than to have a, you know, sort of a 25-A-7, you know, derivative <laughs> that you don't know what that is. And I think we've witnessed this from a institutional standpoint globally, especially mm-hmm. in Japan and Korea, where our transparency, I think, has helped us uh, gain more assets. So I think the transparency aspect of owning cash bonds I think is more prevalent today than in the past. Yeah, I think that's uh, that makes good sense. Dan, can you um, maybe just give us a bit of an understanding, uh, or at least your opinion, on what interest rates uh, are doing right now? What's your expectation, not just in North America, but also in Asia and in Europe? What what can we expect over the next 6, 12, 18 months with respect to central bank policy and the impact on interest rates? Well, I would say it's a little bit different now. I mean, Kisu, myself, and Tommy and the team have noticed that now U.S. is not alone in talking that the rate policies are low, mm-hmm. uh, and the U.S. is you know doing something about it by raising rates. Uh, we did see some tightening of monetary conditions in China. Uh, we've seen uh, Bank of Canada say that right now this dovish stance is probably over and potentially uh, that they may start to look at tightening up policy. I'm not sure when, but maybe in the next three to six months. Uh, we've seen the ECB talk about potentially a policy of tapering, which would mean that you know this easy low interest rate policy may change a little bit. Possibly, maybe even Australia and New Zealand later next year may now start to talk about either a neutral or potentially a, a, a little bit higher in rates. And then we had the Bank of England, you know, have their vote. I, I would assume it's you know it's five to three, but I, more five to six to two that they may even start to look at you know saying that rates are basically a little bit too low. So that concerns me. Probably not as much this year, but probably later next year that you may see the central banks a little bit more on the same path than on this divergent path where, you know, people are cutting rates and we're raising rates. Maybe it's not as divergent. So I, I think we have to be careful with that, especially on lower quality credit. So, so this is where I, I start to figure out what's, what's going on through these managers like yourself and your competition out there. I'll use the hockey term. How are you going to stick handle through this? If, if we start seeing a, 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 a increase in interest rates pretty much in all the regions, um, all the different times, of course, and different magnitudes, but they're all going to be slowly moving up. What people have learned over the years is as interest rates rise, bond prices fall. That's bad for bonds. Don't own bonds. Buy something else. How do you stick handle through that when you start seeing interest rates rising? And how do you perform for your, your investors when you, when you have that kind of a situation? Sure. I think sort of three ways. Number one would be to have a lower duration profile, which means that as interest rates rise, your risk to your portfolio is lessened. So you'll probably lose less or actually, 
you could have some hedges in place that you will offset that downdraft in bond prices, which we have now a lower duration profile. Uh, number two would be to make sure you're in liquid credit situations of decent size. So the esoteric smaller type deals, lower quality triple C's, you know, the developing emerging market types that have small markets, you're going to avoid those. I think that's number two. And then on number three, again, you have to manage that currency right. And being in Canada, you've got to relatively manage that to Canada. And I think, uh, you know, with the Bank of Canada changing its tune, uh, we've been predominantly hedged back to Canada in all our U.S. assets, probably between, uh, you know, 92 and 95 percent. So that probably will not hurt us. And down the road, that currency piece could be very significant to some of our contemporaries who don't hedge like us. But those would be the three points that I think that we could stick handle through uh, to, to salvage uh, some sort of return in that 3 to 5% return uh, during this uh, volatile period. Okay, and I just want to be clear on that point, Dan, because there's, uh, you know, Faisal's comment is really taken from, from an, an average investor's perspective, right? That linkage, that... that very linear relationship between a rising interest rate environment and a falling bond price environment um, is is not it's not necessarily that simple. Uh, and when you talk on a global basis, right, there are pockets in different areas, not just countries, but currencies and different duration of bonds or maturities and so on and so forth that you can do to construct a portfolio to still give a positive rate of return in an environment that the average person might think is very destructive for bonds. Is that a safe safe statement? Yes, I would say that not all bond products are created equal and not necessarily do you want to have all high-quality bond situations because of that interest rate risk so you can diversify away into other areas around the world that have less sensitivity to rates. The other, the other point is this, the, the actual specific securities that you pick, uh, whether it be floating rate loans, mortgages, interest-only securities or fixed to floating pay that have a variable piece to that that would actually perform well if rates went up. We have that ability too, which I think the average uh, individual investor would have a hard time trying to source those type of bonds. So we can manage that to you know, highlight if rates go up, those securities would do well. So we have some natural offsets in the portfolio that we can take advantage of. You said something very interesting about high-quality bonds and you know the safety of, say, a government of Canada. I want to pick that up after the break and help people understand that what we consider safe, Faisal, right, good-quality government bonds, may in fact be your problem in a market with a rising interest rate environment. Join us after the break to hear Dan's comments on that. You're on News Talk 770 and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 